When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Grant is going to take over in just a moment. You know me. I'm Eli Sussman of Fish Stripes. It's Grant's weekly State of the Fish Twitter space. A lot easier to do this coming off that win on Sunday as opposed to what was otherwise a winless week up until this point. Um, There's a whole lot to unpack from just this individual game, but we're probably going to take a look at both the previous series against the Braves. As much as you're reluctant to relive that, we want to look back at the whole previous week and where the Marlins are at while Grant works through his uh, mic issues before getting into yeah where they are now at 17 and 18 somehow in continuing to win every single one-run game. Later in the show, we take your questions. Romeo knows the drill. He's already requested, but we're going to get to that uh, later in the show. All your questions, you just request. Raise your hand if you have a topic or a particular question that you want to get to. But I think Grant, oh, I just set him up one more time. Grant, you haven't figured it out yet? Not quite. It'll be one more minute until Grant is in with us. But yeah, later in the show, raise your hands on here. A request to speak if you have a question or a topic you want us to cover because this is a, a huge inflection point in the Marlins season. It could have been if they lost this game, the consequences of Sunday's loss would have been pretty far-reaching. That was a game they had to have, and they were able to have it. As we're going to try to get Grant set up here one more time. All right, can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. All right, I'm going to, because last time we had this problem, I, I muted and I couldn't get back from off of unmute, so I'm, I'm going to stay unmuted this entire time. But um, keep, keep going where, where you left off at. Uh, I, was, I had to miss like the first like minute there of oh. the spiel. Yeah, no, we could reset to, as we usually do, go through this week. So we're probably rewinding first yeah. to uh, the Brave series and, and start off with, yeah. Well, it was a a pretty deflating series, a reminder of where the Marlins really stand in the power hierarchy of their division. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. Uh, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, but the Marlins have only played two teams during that time span. I don't know what the schedule makers were thinking with that, but it was another pretty miserable series against the Braves. They did not get a win this time like they had last time in, that, um, in the comeback ninth inning where they scored five runs, but... That was a pretty miserable series. That was the kind of the theme this week. I did, Today was the first game I got to watch live. I watched every condensed game, but just, every game was a brutal watch. The, the offense has already hit that point in the season where they're just boring. And if the pitching's not on, obviously it's a recipe for disaster. And that Tuesday game where Sandy pitched was probably the most frustrating game I've seen in a, in a long time. And, um, yeah, like Eli said, 
the divisional hierarchy is will always be like this, it seems, unless the Marlins go on their new ownership or have one of the greatest draft class ever. But um, yeah, I was looking at the standings before this just to get a, a grasp of where things stand. And the Marlins are almost as far back from the Braves while they sit in second place as Cardinals sit back from the Pirates while they're in last place in the Central. So that tells you anywhere about where the NL East is at. I feel like that's pretty telling. I mean, the Mets and Phillies haven't gotten off the great starts either, but they're both sure to get it together. Just slow starts for both teams. The Phillies always turn it up towards the end of the season, as we saw last season when they made the World Series. And the Mets have too much power to not get it together. They're just, they've hit some strokes of bad luck. But the Braves, they're good. They're the best team in the National League, I feel like. I think they are better than the two teams playing right now on Sunday Night Baseball. The Braves are very, very good. But luckily for the Marlins, they don't have to see them again until June with this new schedule layout, which I'm starting to like. At first, I was kind of eh on it, but less Braves and less, less Mets, I, I feel like, will benefit the Marlins in the long run. And now they've already got the Cubs out of the way, too. They did win this season series against the Cubs. Didn't really feel like it with the way this weekend went, but... At the end of the day, Wrigley is a really tough place to go win at. Those two twenty games, the Cubs are always going to bring out some loud and rowdy fans and sold-out crowds. And Today was a gutsy win. It was still a pretty miserable series, and there really wasn't a lot to take away from today. But it could easily be a six-game losing streak right now, so definitely have to look at the positives and just say that, hey, they did win a game today. They won a pretty tough game. But at what cost, as you guys heard, talking from um, – with Skip's interview at the beginning of the show, they went deep into their bullpen today, even when Sandy went nine innings, which is mildly concerning. And something that was actually very mildly concerning that Skip said was they, they're prepared to pitch Chi-Chi. I'm not a big supporter of Chi-Chi Gonzalez. I, I think he is a scrub, like simply put. But um, the Marlins got options. This bullpen's been really good all season long, for the most part, up until maybe this week. But, Good news is the Braves and Cubs are out of the way. The Diamondbacks are next. While the Diamondbacks were off to a hot start this season, they, the Marlins did beat the Diamondbacks in a series. It's only three games out there in Arizona. And then after that, it gets pretty easy. you got the Reds next weekend. You've got the Nationals. You've got the Giants. You've got the Rockies. And if you want to look even further to the horizon, on the horizon, I should say, the A's and Royals are back-to-back series. So, this is the stretch where the Marlins really need to, to get it together. And um saw the tweet from takes were made earlier this week about this upcoming stretch of the next 40 games prior to this Cubs series and talking about record predictions. I didn't see a, a series win this weekend, but I think if the Marlins are going to play how they played at the beginning of the season, they should easily come out over 500. But Eli, you did have some different thoughts on that. I, I was generally a little pessimistic about where the Marlins are headed right now. Um, not not that they're going to totally fall apart, but that just because what a schedule may look like at this stage, it's so hard to tell like how good these teams will actually be by the time the Marlins actually play them. Teams change so much just from week to week, and especially from month to month, all the time in between. I don't put too much weight on what the projected strength of schedule looks like. I think more so just has to do with the way that your talent is performing right now. As we saw this week, the Marlins' talent uh, did not perform. Sandy dragged them into, I mean, he almost dragged them to a win in nine innings. At the end of the day, he had to settle for dragging them into extra innings to avoid a sixth consecutive loss. The main thing holding them back, 
is still the offense. The offense just is not significantly improved from last year the way we thought it would be. There are so many outs in this lineup or so many guys where the best case scenario is you get a single from them and it's just not culminating into many runs. They score five today. Let me double check to look at the past week. They had that six run game in the blowout loss to the Braves when the Braves were just using the, the absolute lowest guys in their pen in order to get to that number. Aside from that, this was a very rare time for them to get to five runs and it took them 14 innings and five automatic runners on second base in order to get to five runs today. That's a, it's still a really bad offense. Despite you have Luis Arise's consistency, you know, he's going to be on base almost two times on average every single game. And that should be a pretty solid base for your lineup. But everybody around him is either hot or cold, or in some cases have, haven't gone hot in the first place. I'm going to do an individual podcast on Gene Segura pretty soon. And how like, upsetting and disappointing he has been considering his track record today he got his 1500th career hit he's had such a great career and you're not you wouldn't know it by watching him play this year i don't want to pick on him too much in this case just as a blanket statement this is still the ongoing concern and why i have a hard time seeing them put any sort of consistent winning stretch together unless they continue winning every single one run game the way that they have to this point if you want to really drill down on this particular game, um, for somebody in Skip that has pushed all the right buttons or almost all the right buttons this season, I, I didn't like the way that he managed that ninth inning. I don't think this was a game where you necessarily force Sandy to finish it himself. It's not always that simple as riding Sandy until he gives up the lead or until the finish for win or lose. Like Sometimes there's nuance to that. This being such a close game and the way that A.J. Puck has pitched for most of the season... I thought the pretty clear move was to bring in Puck once Cody Bellinger came to the plate and bring lefty to match up against both him and I think the next lefty in the lineup right after Bellinger in that situation. It seems like an obvious lane for for um, for Puck to get the final two outs of the game, um, even though Sandy at that point hadn't allowed a run. And they are very fortunate. They were able to win this game. They were fortunate because the bullpen continues to perform very well in those extra innings, throwing up a couple of zeros when they had no margin for error and extras to like push it that far. Uh, for one, for several reasons, you know, ultimately you'd like the players on the field to perform better to win that game in regulation. And if not, I felt that it, a move should have been made a couple of batters earlier, um, understanding that this year is not the same as last year. Um, all, all things considered, a pretty big takeaway from today is that Sandy was awesome three times through the lineup. What, what I had poked at recently is that he was so special last year because the way that he was dominant late in games, the way that he was early in games, and that held true today. He wasn't today, he lost the game the fourth time through the lineup. It was such a rare circumstance where haters got to see him a fourth time, and that's when finally there were a couple good swings against him, and really just one good swing in that Bellinger triple or double and then whatever that was overall, this was a really exciting game to see Sandy look like his Cy Young self is to throw his fastball with as much velocity as we've seen this year. And more importantly, as much command as we've seen at any point this year, I don't, I don't think he walked a batter. Is that right? He faced 32 batters with no walks or hit by pitches. Uh, when Sandy hits, no walks, I think was it. Right. But he was, I thought he was really terrific today, despite getting the no decision, despite leaving the mounds in a sad state of, of affairs in that situation. That was a pretty big takeaway that he was great. Um, the The main story is continues to be this this offense. And I, I don't know exactly 
where you go from here. They've called up Peyton Burdick and we'll have to give him some time to see if he can offer them anything because in the small in the small sample, they haven't seen much. They just brought Joey Wendell back today. Maybe we go more into that. They, they've had a couple recent additions, but I don't know if either of them moved the needle uh, all that much either. So they are. this continues to be the main thing to watch is simply if their hitters get going, if anybody except for Arise can consistently give them something at the plate. I would agree. And as Isaac had pointed out earlier, he's in here. Um, VLC is kind of starting up one of his two-week stretches where he's just like scorches the earth and has a bunch of multi-hit games and plays like a legit MLB outfielder. But he's also coming off like a week-and-a-half stretch where he just shit himself, basically. Uh, so it's tough. I, I like what Solaire is doing. I think the player I've actually been most disappointed with this season is Jazz Chisholm. And it's, it's pretty sad. I was a little disappointed with Sandy, but I kind of knew he would fix it. But Jazz, I don't know what happened. I don't know if the offseason got to his head with uh, with the cover athlete and obviously being an all-star last year. But if some of this kind of just made him forget where he came from, that sort of thing. So, I don't know, and the entire lineup's just been really miserable outside of a rise for the entire season. And tomorrow's Zach Gallon game, so I would just go ahead and chalk that up as a loss. So it's just getting it together for the next two Arizona games. This is going to be a really telling week, and the Reds have been able to play a good amount of small ball this year. They're coming up this weekend, of course, with how wide Lone Depot Park is and how easy stuff can get down as we've seen with Arise success this year. While the Reds do suck, that could ultimately be a series loss, but there's just so much wrong with this team right now and not a lot of answers, way more questions than potential answers, it seems. Yeah. The bullpen, again, I reiterate that the bullpen has been a nice surprise. I, I need to continue spotlighting Huascar Brazoban as pitching now at this recently, I guess he's as now as good as anybody, as reliable as anybody in this bullpen. He has now a scoreless streak that dates back almost an entire month at this point. The I did not foresee him throwing with as much control as he is throwing right now, where he's challenging hitters and he has such a nasty pitch mix, really three really nasty pitches that he can turn to to get outs with. He was one of the several guys that really made a difference in this game to ensure that it got as long as it did for the offense to eventually pull through. I think overall in that that's big because so few other options in this pen consistently miss bats the way that Brazabon does. This is the stuff that makes a difference in the close games. The reason why the team is slightly under 500 um, to this point is because they get, there are a lot of not so close games where they get blown out pretty decisively. And at that point, the bullpen is not going to save you one way or another. I think in this first game coming up against the D-backs, it's Braxton Garrett starting. It's the ultimate look for redemption coming off one of the more miserable starting pitching performances in Marlins team history last time against the Braves. That that will be pretty big on him. Meanwhile, lurking all the way down in Pensacola, Yuri Perez again today with a terrific outing, going six innings, allowing I think only four base runners and nine strikeouts. Again, he's not an imminent replacement, but um, it's a combination of the offense and also the rest of the rotation kind of being up and down, Sandy included uh, to this point. 
like they need to improve pretty significantly in one or both of those areas, the, the rotation consistency and the offense as a whole. Otherwise, uh, yeah, you could see this slipping away. And it's a really big test against the D-backs. They've been a hot team as I look at it. I think they're, oh, they just blew another lead today. They've had a tough time against Boy. the Nationals. Um, they barely won yesterday i saw them that fall apart live and now today they were ahead seven to three and now they're trailing nine to eight and they need to rally late uh but even so they they put up runs on the board um i think even more so than the cubs at this current juncture i think you really need to fear their offense putting up crooked numbers against just about anybody it's a really deep lineup so it's an interesting test and as you said if they get through this series then the schedule looks a lot more appetizing but you got to take it just one series at a time because these teams, they can change very rapidly between uh, how they're actually performing. Yeah, I would agree. And with this series, so with the way the MLB schedules rolled out like the last few years or so, I don't know if the Marlins have had a series after Mother's Day against the D-backs since pre-COVID. And I feel like the Diamondbacks start hot every single year. And once again, this year, they have started out scorching hot. They had it share of at least a share of the nl west lead for the, pretty much the entire first part of the season I, I think they won opening day and have held at least a share of that spot since so it's going to be another tough series of, with gallon tomorrow uh, it almost seems at this point that you just have to hope you can win the, the next two i don't know who they have pitching after that but um it's going to be tough look we have alex carver here fish on the farm with his hand up a lot of minor league stuff happened this weekend, so uh, we'll, we'll get to him. Hi, friends. How are you guys? Good. Fabulous. Oh, great to hear. Well, uh, Eli was talking earlier, and he didn't want to pick on this guy too much. But you guys know me as a transparent communicator, so I'm going to do it myself. Go ahead. Yep. This, this, floor guy, this guy, I've been calling it out in the chat. I've called it out since the first week of the season. This guy, Gene Segura, stinks. Okay, he cannot play. He's absolutely cooked, done. His career is over. Okay, he is the worst, the worst player in baseball by WRC plus, and it's not even close. Okay, a 27 WRC plus. The next guy in line is Jose Abreu at 45. Okay, so he's almost twice as worse as the next guy in line after him. He's pounding the ball into the ground with like a 62% ground ball rate. He is horrible. Okay, there is no reason, no reason that the Marlins should have given this guy a two-year deal based off what he's doing so far. They're going to regret it, and there's guys in the minor leagues, including Xavier Edwards, who I thought showed pretty well in center field. He can play third base, so can Charles LeBlanc. There are so many guys that you can point to that would definitely, definitely, even though they're not superstars, maybe, and it's definitely not in the case of LeBlanc, he's not a superstar, but he's a usable player. Edwards has a lot of potential, and he showed it. He has positional flexibility. They send him down because Gene Segura is blocking up third base. This guy is not good. This is a team that has scored, I think, still the second fewest runs in baseball. This guy plays at the bottom of the lineup. He has three hits, three hits with runners in scoring position. This guy is horrible. He does not belong on this team. And if they are serious about winning baseball games, this guy's got to go. Sorry. You think we could uh, we could go viral like that the one guy with the White Sox rant? I mean, that was seven minutes. That was one minute. But do you think we could do something similar with that? That was a beautiful rant. Yes, it, I, it I has really it has that. potential. It has potential with him. He had a couple opportunities today to come up with. He had one hit, 
And to his credit, he had a, a pretty deep line drive that was for an out in maybe third or fourth time at bat. Uh, but aside from that, he uh, defensively, there was a scary moment where he almost he bobbled. He almost made an error bobbling a ball and just barely getting a force out. That was, I think that was during one of the extra innings that could have ultimately cost him in that game. It really has been an all-around struggle for him. They mentioned a lot of times, both Skip himself and then on the broadcast today, they reiterated that he doesn't like taking games off. He loves being in the lineup every single day. And to this point, the Marlins have complied with his desire to be in the lineup almost every single day. And uh, yeah, to this, there really has not been much of a sign of uh, turning the corner. There's a little bit of bad luck involved, of course. Uh, the fact that you make as much contact as he does and you get so few hits. Um, history says that that will even out a little bit over time. Even so, there's just the ceiling does not appear to be particularly high because everything is on the ground. Everything is on the ground. And that the defensive conversion of third base hasn't gone quite as well as they thought where the arm strength is there, but basically everything else is absent. The arm accuracy and just, yeah. And just, yeah, just a general movements, um, just his hands, just the, the, the reliability of his hands to field balls cleanly. And statistically as Carver touched on the, the stats buried out that he has been a sub replacement level and by a pretty big margin. I mean, worst WRC plus in baseball. That's one of my favorite advanced sets. I feel like it's pretty telling because your average is just right at 100, but 27. It says 31 as of yesterday, but it went down to 27 today. He's been terrible, although they paid him a lot of money. It's early on. Just, just I'm not defending this. This is the way the Marlins operate. He has the penthouse suite on the road clause in his contract. It just doesn't seem like this is a guy they're going to let go this year unless they finally do get serious about winning games. I've mentioned it before. This is Kim's last year on her deal. She is kind of fighting for extension. Yeah, I think ultimately she'll probably just get like a one-year extension prove-it deal, but if she really wants to prove it, I feel like a big statement would be, hey, we're not going to allow losing right like this will DFA him. What? And Stringer is not going to have any right. two-year deal. They're paying him millions. No, no one's going to take him so if he gets off this roster, DFA will be the only option. Right. I just want to mention in the same vein as Segura, there are one of their other substantial free agent signings this past offseason has been derailed before before even giving them much of anything on the field. That's Johnny Cueto, who has a, a one year, eight and a half million dollar deal. He made his first rehab appearance with AAA yesterday in what was supposed to be a relatively quick rehab assignment. He was mostly stretched out. I think the idea was for him to go about five innings yesterday. He got absolutely rocked by, I think it was the Cardinals AAA affiliate. He allowed four home runs in less than three innings. He didn't go past the third inning because he hurt himself trying to cover first base. He hurt his, he sprained his ankle as Skip confirmed today pregame. And that is going to be some sort of setback. They don't think he can make his next scheduled start in Jacksonville about the diagnose the severity of the ankle sprain. Remember, he's originally on the IL for a biceps issue. One time we saw him in the majors before getting hurt. Um, he, he was that small sample was very discouraging as well. And he's the highest paid starting pitcher on the roster. He, he's getting more so than even Sandy. They were and they he was coming off a pretty decent year, but you just never know when that cliff is going to come for a 37 year old player and one who had some shaky durability history even prior to this of course 
that's just it's baffling like whenever this team tries to spend money and actually spending money competing against other teams the san diego padres for one of the teams that wanted johnny cueto wasn't only the marlins or other teams that saw him as a back-end starting pitching type and he has fallen a lot well short of that just because he can't even he's he's just not particularly well conditioned at this stage of his career maybe you don't you don't know exactly what goes into it but they've had they've increased payroll they're spending more money this year than they have any other year of bruce sherman's tenure but all these contracts those two new ones and of course you know the big one avi garcia who's on the il with no clear timeline to return um whenever they try to spend money uh the vast majority of the time it's just not helping whatsoever yeah Johnny Cueto, but last year was a really good season for all things considered. I thought they got him for decent value, but oh well. I, I want to play a quick little game. I think there's a clear-cut answer, but I want to ask a question because it's funny. Who pitches for the Marlins next? Johnny Cueto, Yuri Perez, or Sixo Sanchez? Yuri. I thought that was the answer, but I, I, I giggled thinking of those three groups together. That's a, it's a really close one. It is because I fully expect the way that Yuri's performing. It it seems pretty clear he's going to be up this year. Um, with Cueto, I mean, he didn't. It's not like his ankle fell off. He didn't. I don't think he fractured it. So I don't know. If this is like a long term setback for him. I'm still going to go Cueto. I'm not going to promise that he'll pitch well, but I think he makes it back to the majors right before Yuri does. Do we see? Any of them in May? I, I would say no. Yeah, I would also lean no on both of them. I'm thinking June for for Yuri. That seems like a good target date. My original target coming into the season was Memorial Day, and a lot of people told me that that was too soon. But I think we could see him before maybe like Father's Day. I don't know. I think we definitely see him before the All Star break, at least the way things are going. The only thing was, performing. The only thing with Perez was that, yeah, he went six today, and as Eli said, he was fantastic again. But they don't let him go very far over eighty pitches. Like it's 79, 80, 82, 84, 85. They just are being very, very cautious with how many pitches they let him throw in a single start. Like if he's at eighty pitches, he's out. He's done. Like he, they're they're taking him out no matter. It could be the fourth inning or the sixth. They're going to take him out. So. They need to get him off. Like they need to show the confidence in him that hey, this kid's ready to be pushed all the way and, and fully stretch him out to like the hundred pitch mark for you to really say, okay, yeah, this kid can come up and contribute to a major league baseball team. So that that's got to happen, and I, I think it's it's long overdue that that is happening. I understand that they're being careful with a twenty year old kid, um, but man, and they're they're star prospect and obviously a guy they they have a lot of hopes for, which is understandable. But you got to push him at some point. So I. I I hope to see it today. It didn't happen. It's the main question. Like, when, when are they going to let this guy go more than 80 pitches? It hasn't happened a lot. Yeah, agreed. And I forget who we told this yesterday. It was someone on our fantasy baseball league. It may, it may have been Duke Johnson, but to not get too excited when Yuri comes up just because it's going to be in a, a limited capacity based off what Alex just said. They don't really let him go that long. you got to be careful. The 20-year-old kid has injury problems that probably could put some weight on. you, you got to be careful. Especially because I don't want to say they're rushing him up, but a, l- a little more time for him to, to cook, they, they get cooked down in, in the minors. I guess if you want to call it that, 
what would make sense, but you're entering desperation time. This is the last crown jewel that's in the, the Marlins farm system that was perceived as one of the best farm systems in baseball for so long. Kind of seems like a joke now, no offense to the guys Alex covers, but it's just not as good as it once was. And Yuri seems like the last true guy that the, the Marlins have. And a lot of these prospects haven't panned out. Almost all of them haven't panned out. Uh, Yuri just seems to be the last guy at this point. Hey, don't disrespect Yidi like that. I, I do like Yidi. I do. But I don't think it's, his ceiling is nearly that high. Plus, um, it's just what's it called? He'll be a t- I think there's no chance that he's not a top 100 prospect by the end of the year. I don't, I agree with you there. What was the word I'm trying to say? I, he's just not like a home run prospect. Like he, he's, he's got, a, he's got a low, or a higher floor and a lower ceiling. I feel like I haven't what? evaluated him too much. I feel like so what, what do you think the ceiling? Do you think it's the opposite, really? Yeah, I feel like it's a higher ceiling and not, you know, not, not, not the highest. evaluating minor league guys as, as you are. I mean, that, that's Alex Carver's living. No, yeah, I, I would think it's a very, very, very high ceiling. Just how it could also go extremely low floor. He's, he's a good baseball player. He's easily the, the best position player that they have in the farm system. But you look at all the other position players that have come through, who's been the best out of all of them? Yeah. I, I don't even have an answer. Uh, guys yeah, yeah, that through the system. Oh, I mean, he's off to a good start in Oakland. Oh, I think he's got some feelings. Oh, man. To be fair... One of those series was against the Royals. The Royals are terrible. They opened up Brady Singer, who's literally been the worst pitcher in baseball this year. He's been bad. I need to see a couple more weeks of play. But when guys come up for the first time in a minute from AAA, after the, the Aristides Aquino month back in 2019, I, I've just learned to huh. wait for guys to, to kind of just get settled in a little bit. That guy had one of the best months of baseball history. And he's in like the AAA version of Japanese baseball right now. Three years later, so just gotta be a little bit careful about. Yeah, I mean, this, they, like, the guys. Homer, but they homered off. I think it was Joe Musgrove last year, and still, I just I'm not even with his home runs. I'm not very impressed. You know, they they're just wall scrapers that you know he really has to crank the shit out of it to get any real power. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the player, but I wish him the best. I wanted him to be good so bad. I thought he could be good, but he just wasn't. And the, the fact that that might be a legitimate answer, the, the best hitter that's actually come up through the Marlins system during this era, I think who else? Nick Fortes? Yeah, I was going to say Nick Fortes. Nick Fortes? Brian Anderson well, did of, it. Um, well, so not, maybe, he didn't come up through this, this era. This, this, in this era. You mean, yeah, you mean, like, yeah. Oh, you're talking about like with with Jeter and Kim and all that. I guess that's yeah, debuting post twenty eight years. Yeah, come up during like the the Gary Dembo and like the the DJ era, like homegrown, or even mean like trade acquisitions. Guys who spent four or five months in the system, give or take. Four or five. I I guess you go, you go Jazz. No, Jazz, Sanchi. Um, I guess. Jazz and Sanchez have been the only like okay at least players. Uh, it's a pretty depressing list. Yeah, what the hell, Eli? Well, <laughs> wait, what the? Fuck? I'm trying to think. BLC didn't even spend like 
today. He said that, yeah, no, he, he reported rights. I mean, he got sent out a couple he, times when he got traded. He, he's been sent out a couple, yeah. But when he got traded from Houston, he went straight from Corpus, or not Corpus Christi, where, I forget where Houston's AAA team is. He went straight from there to Miami. But I mean, he, he's been a decent MLB player. I'm trying to think who else. It's, it's just very, very depressing. Yeah, I don't have an answer, but I think that tells you just how bad it has been and why it's okay to not really have hope for what they've got. And Jose Salas was in that. I was a big Salas guy, but he's been terrible this year. He's been horrific at the plate last we checked. Like maybe a couple weeks ago, he was batting way below the Mendoza line at single A or high A ball. I have hope for Yiddy, but... For him, like I, I would agree with Isaac. Like it's, I think it's higher floor um, for for Cafe. Um, you know, floor. yeah. No, I, I think it's it's, it's yeah. a lower floor, higher ceiling. I think it's I, I think I it's higher ceiling, high higher ceiling for Cafe. Yeah, he's a ceiling, he's a ceiling player because um, he shows a lot of power, but he's still such a lanky kid. So you got to see how he fully grows into the frame, of course, right? And then you got to see where he winds up defensively because. I think he's going to wind up at third base. So he's probably going to wind up at a power position. I've said, I've said he's going to wind up at the third baseman for a while. So I think he's going to be a third baseman. Um, he's going to need to let the power permeate. And then he's also going to need to continue to show that he can grow into the frame. So it's a higher floor player and a lower, I'm sorry, a higher ceiling player and a lower floor player for me. Um, but yeah, you're right, Grant, that this is the best, best offensive talent that the Marlins have. His swing is so good. Like his swing is very, very smooth. Um, he's pretty patient at the plate, um, at least to get against these um, single A advanced guys that he's facing, and he's still one of the youngest players in single A advanced right now, which is impressive. So, yeah, I like this kid, man. I think he's good, um, but I would go, I would go higher ceiling over floor for sure. All right, I think we spent enough time on that. We want to get to the fan parks. I'm sure there's, there's actually a decent amount of listeners given that the Panthers are playing right now. So, um, we'll, I'm sure we'll have lots of questions, but first. Before before we do that, actually yeah. two things. Noah has something he wants to say. First off, you can put my tweet up. I have made it to the location that I wanted to cameo from. It is the Bean in downtown Chicago at Millennium Park. It is quite cold, but it's awesome and there's a lot of people here. <laughs> How What is the temperature there? Because I, I know for my... It's like 65. Cold is like, yeah. It's like 65. I'd be wearing a hoodie and shorts, 65. Ew. That used to be shorts t-shirt weather. I mean, Ohio. I, I I do get the wind. The wind definitely plays a factor. I've never been to Chicago, but I have a buddy who goes to school there. Wind's no joke. I don't know if you guys want to talk about Craig's tweet. Uh, he said that Which he one? This was the last uh, start he thinks that Yuri would make at Pensacola. I assume he means he'd go to AAA. I don't know if you guys mentioned that already. I, I did uh, see that, yeah. and I know that Craig has been... Uh, he's very bullish on Yuri, even relative to the rest of us and his timeline for coming up. It is an interesting, with just about every other prospect in recent memory, um, with non-COVID, with COVID um, things like not not included, like basically every other Marlins prospect has gone to AAA before skipping up to the majors, especially if they're going to be a starting caliber player. The only exceptions were some of the guys that didn't weren't that didn't have to play at AAA because there was no minor league season in 2020. Just about everybody else made that stop for a little bit. I do think there is some value in him going to a more pitcher, well, more hitter friendly league, I should say compared to the Southern league where he is right now. 
um, due to several different circumstances. Even if the prospect talents isn't quite the same at the International League as it is where he is right now, it, the run scoring environment is a little bit more challenging. And I'd like, I, I imagine that the team would also like to see him perform there for a little bit before jolting him up to the big leagues. As, as much as they want to win in the majors right now, as uh, as shaky as the rotation depth is, right now Brian Hoeing is a number five, quote, starter, and yet they didn't have enough confidence to actually start him against the Cubs. They just limited him to three innings as, as a long man in, a, in what was just a glorified bullpen game, and we know that behind him, the options are not appealing in terms of the conventional AAA guys. So I understand why there is some there is a temptation to like bring him all the way up. Also knowing that he's never come close to pitching a full season. His endings as a whole are being monitored as Carver mentions. Like he's not going to, even if you bring up right now, he's not going to make 25 starts in the big leagues the rest of the year. He doesn't have, they're not going to give him all those endings they, they need to be careful with his long-term outlook. Yeah, it would be a Jose situation where they cut him off. They say, okay, this is your, your last. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, in the organization, as much as Jose succeeded, Jose Fernandez, of course, we're talking about, you know, that that was a terrible idea. That was terrible. That was terrible that they brought him up at 20 years old and plugged him into big league rotation because they had nobody that was on the same level that they had to rush him in that particular way instead of making instead of like doing something that was better for his his actual long term well-being. But they are in a tough spot. No doubt, they're in a tough spot. As we underscored early on, Grant, it, Kim is in the last year of her deal, and like they, I think she wants to show that they have this really special pitcher coming up. Uh, that being said, I would predict that he pitches at AAA before coming up to the majors, and as long as he performs the same way at AAA that he has at AA, then you could see him in the big leagues not too long after. But I'd like to see him take that intermediate step. Right. When you mentioned Jose, I remember that they did call him up just out of necessity, and that was so not the right thing to do. But they were so careful with him; they did not let him go over eighty pitches for his first like you know, like ten starts or something. They were so careful, and even when you're extremely careful with a player, that you know it doesn't guarantee health. You know, you got Tommy John surgery. The yeah, career. he still missed pretty much. He two still got Tommy John yeah. So you know, like what they're, what they're doing with Yuri, you know, it's more likely than not that he's going to need to, every pitcher. I think it's a third of every major league pitcher needs Tommy John at some point. So you might as well. Just that's the way I would do it. I would just play him until you know he inevitably needs some sort of arm surgery. It's sad, but it's the reality. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. He's going to get injured. Every pitcher gets injured, but it's a one in three chance of needing Tommy John. I, I would still be careful because him and Jose are two different pitchers in terms of build. Jose was a little bit bigger. Yeah, they are a little different. bit more totally conditioning. Bigger. And like. Six seven, and he six, probably eight. weighs as much as I do. Six eight, he probably weighs as much as I. The average weight between Isaac and I, which is maybe like <laughs> 135 pounds at most. But um, yeah, he, he he weighs more than that. We know obviously, but the, the point is that they are two different guys build wise. And when six I was coming up, as much as I love him, I, I saw the same problem. I saw the same risk at hand. Like this guy. He's not conditioned. He's not big. He doesn't really take care of himself, as we've seen the last few years. And people at the time are kind of like, well, that's not really a fair statement. But, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at now. And we still haven't seen six, though, since we're all wearing masks and sitting on our couch. And yeah. they played an empty baseball. Season. I just want to note again that one reason why, like, this rushing Yuri now feels a little bit 
more like a possibility is because of the Johnny Cueto setback. They Cueto was not supposed to be that far away from rejoining their rotation, and they were given his track record. They were going to give him a shot to perform as their starter and give him a pretty long leash to prove himself. But that is yet another piece of their rotation depth chart that is out of commission. So with him out, with even Daniel Castano on the injured list, with the little glimpses that we've seen of what, Jeff Lindgren and who are the other mop-up guys that have called up? I mean, well, George. Oh, Smeltzer. Smeltzer, of course. Smeltzer being. But Smeltzer had a good start, though, outside of that, that Cleveland game. Not, no. It's, 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 he's a really uninspiring pick right there. So it, between, they didn't have a ton of, re, like, 2023 ready rotation depth entering this year and that they've had bad injury luck. They've, they've just had, you know, a lot of teams have pitcher injuries. You look around the sport and that's not unusual, but they, it's unfortunate that they've been bunched together with Castano and Smelter and Cueto and Trevor Rogers. Uh, it goes on and on. Um, it's, it's been a tough break and that's why I put you in that position where you're still close enough where if, if you get at the very least, I, I think it's, it's reasonable to think that Yuri could be, better than the typical back-end starter, even as a 20-year-old. But you, you never know for sure. And ultimately, I don't think it's worth it to do anything reckless with him, just understanding how much value he can give to your team for the next five years, the next 10 years, if if things are handled like a little bit more traditionally. Agreed. All right, well, with that being said, I'm sure now that we've kind of dampered uh, the area expectations you guys have lots of questions but first before we do that consider becoming a super subscriber a super follower as i like to call it it's what it was called it's what it's always been called to me but we got some of the benefits here and it's just for three dollars a month three dollars it's the lowest price we can make it you got all sorts of uh potential benefits with it it is definitely worth the price first off we always mentioned it before we get to the fan part here because you get first priority to speak in these spaces um compete in fantasy sports leagues with us we have a super subscriber fantasy baseball league uh the winner there gets our uh, field level marlins tickets at some point whether that be for the 2023 postseason or 2024 season uh all access to the, the gift database that we've got we added a couple new ones today with that jesus sanchez one pretty funny um Guy, you can make series predictions with us. We do series predictions for every single series, and we have a couple of super subscribers in the top five right now. It's actually mostly super subscribers. Now they get to compete for the, the full season. I feel like I'm missing something else. Just constant giveaways. Uh, oh, access to the, the game notes that the that the Marlins PR team releases before games. Uh, that, that stuff is, is loaded. I didn't, I hadn't used them until I covered the, the Cleveland series. Series and that thing is the, the Marlins Bible. It has everything you could need to possibly know heading into a series. If you're a big stat nerd, that, that thing's got everything. So, all that being said, it's just three dollars a month. Go straight to us. Highly consider it. It, it is 100 worth it. We're going to bring in Romeo right now, who has been probably our longest tenured super subscriber to, to this point. Of course, anyone can request to. Uh, talk in these spaces we will answer all and any questions from marlins fans and um, of course romeo he, he pays the three dollars so um he, he gets to go first so romeo how are we doing tonight what's your question hey how's it going um the, no no more of a question i feel like I, I come up here and ask like statements 
<laughs> you 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 had a, a good one the other the last time we did this though it's it's been a, we took a week off I had some final school stuff to do but you pointed out a, a, a Panamanian pitcher to us that would it be a good option to, to take a look at um, in the future that was a really good one I look at some of those guys uh, numbers it was a good option speaking of the devil today he. I think he played. I added Eli. I said it was our boy because I was joking around with him. And I believe he threw an inning against the Mets and it did not allow a hit. Yeah, this this being Justin Justin Lawrence, right? Yeah, yeah, Justin Lawrence. He went an inning, no hits, no walks, one K. Good stuff. Good stuff. This is Romeo's guy. If he ever becomes a shutout, shutdown closer, uh, yeah. Romeo found him. Yeah, it's, it's hard to pitch in cores, and for him to have a one ERA, and just it's I feel like it's a, it's a good someone to look at. The schedule coming up, so uh, got it. Might, might have to play against him in cores, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, uh, do you, someone asked what's wrong with Jazz. Is that that question? I think I heard. Uh, I um, no, no one asked some, that, but I kind of. I kind of presented that in the game of the show as I'm really disappointed with them. Obviously, a great, funny guy, a cool player to have on a team, but he's been terrible at the plate this year, nonetheless. I, I think what he's doing is bad. I think what he's doing this year, maybe it gets a little bit worse, but that's the player that he is. He hasn't exactly been anything much better than what he's doing now. Obviously, the strikeouts are a little bit inflated, but he's not you know, a significantly better version of this, I don't think. So whoa, 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 I, I, whoa. Don't. I, I, I would, There is a I'm significant difference that. between how he's hitting this year and how he was hitting last year. And like I said, worse than what he, like the seal, I think last year was maybe sort of the best he's going to be, and this year is a little bit worse than what he's going to be. I don't be, know so if he's peaking. I think that if he peaked last year, I thought that that was a good stepping stone for last year. Obviously, he set the bar pretty high for himself in just a 60-game yeah. sample size, but you look at the numbers that the Marlins had with and without him, they were a yeah. road team offensively last year with them for those 60 games. And for the final 102, they were the worst offensive team in the league. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm very individual player. player. This is someone that struck out 42% of the time at double-A. Yeah, he's good. He's a good player. He's a great speed power combination, which is very rare. And it's dope. But he sort of, he does double-A play. Since before coronavirus existed. Though. I'm just saying that this is a player that, you know, he's always going to strike out a lot. So I think it's just always going to be a limited offensive profile. Right. That's yeah, well, what stuns me is just the lack of slugging because the home run rate is, is fine, as Peter Pratt will remind us. He's he's within reach of maybe a 40-40 pace. At, at least he, he's going to hit his fair share of home runs. Um, but the, the fact that his overall slugging is even under 400, that I didn't even foresee that being a possibility for him this year. He is he's such a talented power hitter. And the absence of doubles in his entire game, he has two doubles in 34 games. That's not usually a stat that people look at, but it's a sign of an incomplete hitter. A guy that when he's not homering, um, he is basically giving them nothing offensively. And he he showed last year and even the year before that he should be more well-rounded than that. It has been tough. You point to the struggles against lefties, uh, but... The fact that he's not dominating righties is is a disappointment. The bar was set pretty high, and uh, I don't think it was unreasonable to think that he would be an above-average offensive player 
um, due largely to what he could do as a slugger. And that has not shown up. He's been a good base runner when he's been on base. He just has not been on base very much at all. And I think we've all been somewhat pleasantly surprised by how he's looked in center field, all things considered. It's just ultimately the most important thing was going to be his bat. And that was the one thing that maybe too many people took for granted. And maybe myself included that I I thought the baseline for him as a hitter was a lot higher than this. And uh, that it is holding them back him as much as almost I, I pinpointed Gene Segura. I think he's the one that has fallen the farthest short of expectations as a hitter going from a guy that himself should be a league average hitter into being one of the worst in the big leagues. But jazz is in that conversation where you look at what could have reasonably been anticipated from him and what he's giving you. There's a pretty big discrepancy. Yeah, as well said. I, I think we got spoiled last year in the beginning of the year because he started the year slugging like a maniac. His slugging percentage was almost at 600 for a certain point of the of I think it was like all of April. It was like five mid five hundreds. So I think we got a little spoiled thinking that he was going to repeat that to begin this year too. The difference there is like, yeah, Jazz has also been disappointing, but this is a younger, of course, a much younger player. He's also putting the ball in the air. He's making at least some contact, and you know that this this guy has too much talent to not turn it around. Whereas Dean Segura has nothing left over, man. The guy's, the guy's, the guy's, the guy's hapless, horrible. Um, I, I, I'm he's getting great now. He, he can take it in Alex Carver insult. Yeah, we were just talking about Jazz and how this guy's comparison. No, because you guys are talking about underperformers. I'm not comparing the two players. I'm yeah, just no, saying. I know, Eli I know, did I bring up Segura. He did. I know. You, I know, know. you know that Jazz is going to be Whereas with Segura, you know that guy's pretty much not going to. He's, he's pretty bad. I get depressed when I see Segura come up with a runner on first base. He strikes Segura. out less than Jazz does. But he gets into more double plays. Yes, he's putting the and ball on the play, but that, that dude just cannot hit with a runner on. He sees a runner on first and says, okay, I'm going to hit this ball to the shortstop. Yeah. Or the third baseman. He's or the second someone, baseman. That, that ball is not leaving the infield. Today he did it. But that's because they stole and, and the His walk-off was a double play... Both of his runs that he scored on on that Friday were both going to be double plays. He's having a problem. His swing is just cutting straight down, and he's just he's just hitting everything hard on the ground. Riley stole some hits from him. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so I'll give him his props. Right, those that this last week I was alone. Well, where I was at the game, obviously, and then he was hitting the ball hard. The ball's going off is that hard. It's just it's just to a glove, and it's it's not. It's just yeah. It's it's not. It's not enough. He's produced. He's not producing enough. But you can tell that the swing is there. He just, his swing is bad. Like the power is there. Like he's hitting the ball hard. He's just hitting it to the. We did point out constantly. earlier. Someone did. I may have been Eli that his his swing stance is is not nearly as, as wide now. He's kind of straightened it up a little bit more. I don't know what that's all about. He always finds finds a way to hit the floor every time as well. <laughs> yeah. The. I've seen subtle mechanical differences. There really is no smoking gun. It is just a combination of uh, just degradation in his his performance and a little bit of bad luck, or you know, a substantial amount of bad luck that overall is a, is bringing him down, unfortunately. And then when you combine that with the way that he's playing third base, which is not good, yeah, it gives you it's where you're where you're at with this. Um, I think Joey Wendell is coming back at the right time where I think it's pretty natural decision to have days where birdie and Wendell are in the lineup and Segura is not, I don't know exactly how they split it up. I don't think they're going to immediately make 
Segura the small side of a platoon and only start him against lefties. I think it's going to be more gradual process than that. There's, but he has done absolutely nothing to justify playing every day to this point in the season. If he's going to reclaim that role at this point, I, I think he absolutely has to perform first before they do that, given now that they have a little bit more proven depth on their roster. No. No, it's it's not it's not a tough call. We're not going to see him this year. Bender has a slightly better chance of making it back for the end of this year, but with Max, they're going to be pretty cautious with that, and it just takes extra time to stretch out as a starter in addition to getting healthy from that. So, so don't look for him as a possibility. I think Jake Eater is a little bit closer to getting back on a mound. And well, he, he had a big setback in, in spring when he like broke his foot, but he's coming back from that as well. And the, the target is to have him pitching in minor league games next month. If he is the same pitcher he was before his injuries, plural, before Tommy John, then he's somebody that I think you could expect to fortify the pitching staff at the very end of the year. Gotcha. I can't believe you broke his foot. That's so crust for the team, for the organization. Apparently, it was like off the field too. Like it wasn't even like something he did while playing. Like yeah. I don't know the full. Like the yeah, it was, it was, we thought was like it was. It was an, a freak accident off the field. No, they're being, they're I don't being know. very shady about it. They yeah, uh, like they they're not saying anything about. Like I tried to ask about it too. Like they're not saying anything yeah. either. So um, something happened there. Um, I don't know what, but something happened there. That's really weird, but I wouldn't really put that behind them. But, uh, yeah, good question. I thought that – I wasn't going to straight up say no, but I feel like going to straight up say no. Yeah, we're not, we're not seeing him. I kind of had the hunch when it happened that we wouldn't see him until 2024, but just I can give a little bit of hope. Yeah, I'm on my he's ready for, for spring training in 2024. Yeah, he'll, he'll be there for that. 
I'm excited yeah. though for him. Hopefully he can come back strong. Didn't get to see much of him. Of course, the one full start he made, he got shellacked. They let him out the game. game. Even before that, the injury, that, that I, was, I, was, I was in. I was. I thought he should just go to the bullpen right away. But you now, even after the injury, I was he would be a good bullpen pitcher. Man, I mean, last year that. Before the injury, he was so he was better than Max Meyer before the injury, and they both got challenged from Double A, and he was better than Max Meyer. Wait, so, what? We're talking about Max Meyer. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about Eater. Sorry, my bad. I thought you were talking about Eater. My bad. No, Eater, are you kidding me? I would never put him in the bullpen. Okay, I thought you were. I thought you were talking about Eater. Yeah. No, yeah, my, Meyer. Meyer. Isaac mentioned this before he, like before he got hurt. Isaac mentioned that he would just put him in the pen. I, I like that they gave him a chance to still succeed as a starter because I think he. Could have done it. Um, you're gonna have to see how he comes back. He's not gonna be back for a while. You gotta see how he comes back after this. Um, it's not impossible that he could rebound and still be like a back end starter, but it may be a bullpen ceiling or future for him. But I think I still think he has the potential to start because the slider is so good, fastball still pretty good, um, changeup is is developing. So I, I think he's he's good enough to still be a starter. Um, but yeah, the, after the injury, it's gonna be tough. We'll see. We'll be the first ever person to wear a bullpen. Pictures uh, on the back of their shirt. I wore my Max Meyer jersey today, actually. So it was actually felt nice. I've seen screenshots of people ordering Brazzabon jerseys recently. So, uh, yeah, that's a sick jersey. Actually take a lose there. That is a cool jersey, though. There was so much hype around that start. And, man, he just got blown up. That was the game where I really felt like the season was about to go to shambles. Like, he, he didn't get slapped. You know, he gave up a couple homers, and that was it. You know, it wasn't that. <laughs> He gave up two it to it Reese Hoskins. It felt Hoskins. like the sky was falling after that. Yeah. He, after, he after, after, that game, after the, the Reese Hoskins home run, it was made 3-0, I think that's what the score was. He just got taken out and not allowed a home run to JT, and then, which made it six, which made it – it just looks worse because he came back against the Pirates, and before he hurt his arm, he was actually looking pretty good too. So, yeah. I had just it was put like on my one team. inning against the Pirates that game, or did he get through two? Wasn't the second inning? No, it was in the first inning. inning. It was his first inning. Yeah, he didn't thought. He didn't finish the inning. It was made at bat with Brian Hayes. I'll never forget that. I was just finished buttoning on my jersey. It was the, the, the saddest thing. <laughs> I had just, it was literally, I had just finished buttoning it up. And then all I hear is Paul Cyril say, the trainers are coming out to look at Max. I was like, bro, there's no way. There's no way. Um, this is sad. Uh, I was in the keys with Bella when that happened. I was like, oh, man, that sucks. I got the credit for reporting his Tommy John on MLB Reddit. That's my claim to fame right now to this day. You didn't beat Kevin, though. Kevin yeah, Kevin had it first, I think. <laughs> <laughs> technically, technically, Craig told him the day before. <laughs> they, everyone knew he was going to need Tommy John. Like Jordan McPherson literally had an article prepared. Cena saw it coming. I kind of saw it coming. I just didn't know it was confirmed. I didn't, when I got told, I, I didn't know that that was what I was being told. It's kind of like a holy shit, but you, you kind of expect it when it happens. Like the, You don't get pulled for those kinds of injuries and have it not be something that's going to keep you out long term, the way it happened. But uh, hopefully he can recover. Again, anyone who has a question, go ahead and, and request. Oh, Carver. Carver, are all of Nassim Nunez's career home runs to the opposite field? I think so. I think they actually are. Um, this is crazy. I mean, I put it on Twitter today. Like, I talked to this guy. I think a bunch of us talked to him, but I talked to him in spring training. 
like, and he's like, yeah, man, I, I think I've always been strong, even though I'm a small guy, and you know, I'll probably plan on showing it. Dude has three home runs, which is like one more than his career total coming into the year. So, is that all five opposite field, all five of them? All of the home runs I remember seeing him hit were opposite field. So, yeah, most of them, if not all of them, were opposite. You, you can make a compilation of that for Twitter. I feel like some people will get a kick out of that. Yeah, crazy, but. I, I'm I'm encouraged by what you see we see from that guy. Even though you guys laugh at me for being high on him, I like that guy. I don't, I don't laugh at him. I I like the pick when they drafted him. Of course, he kind of got off to a slower start in his career, but outside of Yidi, I think he might be the only other hitter I even have somewhat hope for. Position player, I should say. He's he, he does some some good he, stuff. He's got a field. he's got a 400 OBP in Double A as uh, still relatively young for that level. It is really. It's a really good story. He's and even more walks and strikeouts to this point so far this season. Like you, it is. Last year, I was it was probably the play that surpassed my expectations most last year. Watching him play every day between Beloit and uh, Pensacola, like he, he, he's, he, I think he's a legit prospect. And the power is like the the main weakness that he had. And even so, there's still some questions about the general hitting ability of him he's going to draw his walks he's going to do he's going to steal seconds automatically on anybody especially in with the bigger bases and so the just the question is the, the general hitting ability he has no doubles this year in 27 games he, he, he has some the occasional power to go deep but is he going to be able to find enough total hits in enough of those matchups overall to um yeah to be a starting caliber player i don't think there's much doubt that he's going to be a big leaguer in some role but whether he's going to be a starter, that's still obviously a pretty significant question. I, I think, so let me, I think let me repose this question real quick. This one might trigger Isaac a little bit. Who do you guys think will have a better major league career, Asim Nunez or Jacob Amaya? That's a good question. That's a good question. 100% is Nunez. That's a very good – okay, relax, brother. 100%. Like, relax. But, yeah. uh, they, 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 they kind of compare similarly – just a bit, although of course, getting on their glove for shortstops that, that don't really profile as starting shortstops. What did they? I don't know. It's a very good question. I don't. Wait. Know. No, not not his glove is a shortstop. I starting shortstop Isaac. That's he has the best. Defense. Okay, but he's not going to be a starting shortstop when you're hitting. You know, right? Like, it's not because of his glove. It's not. I, I, that's glove. I'm not saying it's because of his glove. Saying both of them because of their bats will not be starting shortstop. Okay. Okay. I mean. Honestly, it's not a horrible question. I would say it's not seen because I think his defense is even better than Amaya's. It, I mean, and that's it's it tough is. To, it, yeah, it, it's tough to say that it's you know that Amaya's not good. That's not to say that Amaya's not good on defense, but Nunez is better. It's, he's just elite at de- on defense for sure, one hundred percent. Speed. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear Eli's answer on this. Yeah, speed is way better for for Nunez. Like like Eli said, he's gonna steal second base every time. He's fourteen steals and no caught stealing so far this year. He's yeah, still you can steal first base. You know that, right? Right, but you can get on via walk, which he's done via his four hundred. Okay, you think he's gonna be walking at the same rate in the major leagues? Not even close. Dude. No. Now, yeah, now just to be fair, to be to fair, I asked the same question about Nassim when he was putting up that crazy walk rate way back in low A. I was saying. Eh, is he going to continue this in high A? And then he continued it in high A. And was like, eh, is he going to continue it in double A? And uh, it was, yeah. And it was it was high last year in double A, and now it's even like freakishly high 
this year. I don't know what it is because he's a small guy. He's five nine, but I think he actually—I don't think he's smaller than that. For whatever reason, nobody can find the strike zone <laughs> against him, and he, he is able to spoil enough pitches. Like he's his the strikeout rate has come down quite a bit from where it was early on, even even last year, and he's fouling off pitches that he was whiffing at earlier in his career. It's it's interesting. I would lean very slightly towards Nassim in that question between Nassim and Amaya, um, but it, it is it's extremely close. And the thing is, the the last thing I'll say, just so that I don't go on forever about the same player, which I could, but I won't. Um, the last thing I'll say is that he's not getting lucky. He's a two ninety six batter, so he's not getting lucky. I think, like Eli said, he. The fact that he doesn't have as many doubles, a lot of his doubles in previous years were hustle doubles, like balls that just fell in front of people or blue pits that he was just kind of legging out into doubles. This year, he's hitting the ball harder. He's hitting the ball way harder, as you can see, with three home runs. And they're not just lucky hits. They're hits that are, that, are, that are legitimate hits, which is a good step for this player to take. I like this player, man. I think he's good. Um, I, think, I think he could be a starting short for sure. Yeah, Mr. Cavins here. Oh. I have a question. Would we see him in September? Well, they have to put him on the 40-man after the season anyway. Carver always loves that subject. You're going to put him on the 40-man anyway. Why don't you just call him up? It's, so it is, it, is a, it is a It's a possibility right now. We know that shortstop is a huge question mark for this team. They need Wendell is going to be a pending free agent after this year as well. So even if Wendell plays well, um, they have questions about whether he's going to be on the team or not. Then that makes it even more pertinent to like see what – Nassim will it look like down the stretch. So it's it's a possibility. I think Amaya has a better chance. He's certainly ahead in line because he's already on the 40-man roster and he's already been playing at AAA. So I would yeah, I think I I think Amaya is still ahead of him on in that order of operations. As long as Amaya gradually gets and he has been playing better than he was at the very start of the year. I think Amaya makes it up first and um yeah, I, I would lean towards Nassim not playing in the majors this year just because of of that, because of the other infielders they already have at AAA. But it is a possibility, yeah. And there's no way that they would go into spring training in 2024 with the intention of giving him a shot to compete for the starting shortstop opening day 2024 role, right? Because they really will go into next year with no shortstop option unless you want to count Birdie and, you know, yeah, Birdie, not Groshans. That's That's it, actually, Birdie. Exactly. Yeah. Well, because it's so wide open, I have no, I have no idea what they're going to do next year. We thought this past off season that surely they're going to do something to sure up shortstop, or at least they're going to hold on to Miggy Rowe, and they didn't do that. So um, it is. I've, I have no clue what they're thinking at that position. Yeah, that's scary. Maybe Yidi will be like off by them. Navi's here. He's got a question. What do we got? Okay. Can you guys hear me? Mm-hmm. Perfect. This is going to be a hard question to answer because it's not in the box score. You, uh, you guys are going to have to, like, I'm going to trust you guys because you're watching the actual minor league games. But I was just reading a tweet, skimming the, uh, the Baseball America article on the ABS, the uh, Ro- uh, RoboWumps, uh, how it was being expanded in AAA. It was being tested in, um, I think, uh, the, the Florida Coast League, the, the, the low eight league last year. So my question is, if you guys can recall, um, which players have been either uh, have been affected by the, the RoboWomp? Either they have a good eye that they get calls, like they, they ask for a challenge and they 
call gets overturned, like a strike is correctly called to a ball, um, or maybe a pitch. I don't, I don't really know the, the logistics of how that works. I think the pitcher can request like, hey, that that what you called was a ball was actually a strike. Please review that. So if you guys are watching those games and you recall, like which players have have a good eye for that? So because it's gonna be coming, it's gonna be coming in the in the, in the next few years. So we want to get ahead of that. Right. So I was able to see it last year with when I went up to Jupiter, and I couldn't recall yeah. exactly which players um, requested in this, and that was a year ago, but I know that the, I think it's the batter, the catcher, and the pitcher that could all request, I, maybe the managers too, I believe, but it works well from what I saw, and it was really good. That's what I can tell you. Carver probably has a better answer since he goes to Jupiter more often during that season, but from what I've seen, and what I saw, it, it's good. I mean, I have no real complaints. I saw it today, actually, during during the Jupiter game, the first one, where they were, where, um, it was a Jupiter batter. I think it was Luttrell, who, it was a strike, and it ended up being a ball, and it worked out for him. So, that's yeah. probably the best example I, I, I could give you. But, I mean, it's yeah, not something I, that I'm not closely looking at, you know. I, I went to Jupiter last year, and I, that's why I asked, because I recall seeing it there. And I remember, like, oh, that was quick. It took, like, seven seconds for, like, the, the call to get like looked at and 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 the speaker system to say that Paul was overturned to be a strike or whatever. Uh, I yes, just can't remember really. Fast. I just I just can't remember like a player that consistently like asked for the challenge and like he he was right about like the call being in their favor. So I, is, yeah, is Eli I, or is, or if Harvard know that because I used to assume they were watching the minor league TV games or they're attending the games. If you guys know that answer, let me know. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be tough. There's nobody individually that I'll be honest. You don't. It's not really super noticeable uh, in these games. I feel like even they're not. It doesn't. I was really excited for how potentially this was going to play out, considering how um, this. I think the challenge system would make a lot of sense in the majors in the very near future. I was excited to like see it. Um, I can't say that there's been like a whole lot of instances in the AAA games that I've been watching, or at least ones that have come in any significant leverage situations. I, I'll, I'll pay closer attention like moving forward, but I'll be honest, there it hasn't been like a ton of instances really worth noting on that. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I knew it was going to be a hard question to answer because you can't look at the box score and, and, and you guys really have to be paying attention. But I was curious if, you know, just like we say, Yelich, when he was coming up the system, has a great out to the zone. Like the umpire was really striking him, and, 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 and Tommy and Rich were like arguing on, on, on TV that Yelich knows his own better than the umpire. So I, I was I was remembering that, and I was like, which player has a good eye yeah, because I'm looking through like the research. So there's nothing about there that. was actually there was an instance in today's AAA game. Jeff Hartlieb on the mound, bottom of the ninth inning, three two pitch, and they he painted a sinker on the outside corner in a three two count that would have been either a walk or a strikeout. They called it a, a strikeout, and because it was the bottom of the ninth anyway, that's when the Cardinals called for a challenge right there, and it was upheld. So that was an example from today's game, um, and yeah, just just from my vague memory you see them more often later in games when they have nothing to lose at that point um but yeah it, I, I like it it is it is extremely seamless the way that they integrate it into the games uh, but i i wouldn't I, I don't necessarily boost i can't think of a single player who i would like boost their 
prospect stock or lower it based on those borderline calls. I don't think there's been like, I haven't seen any player that's been involved in more than a couple of them this entire season so far. It's interesting to me, and I agree with you, Elias, that I, I can't really pinpoint one player and say like, okay, this player is, is doing it and the rest of these guys. It's few and far between that it happens is what I'll say. Um, so and the reason for that that I will say is that I think it's kind of interesting that they try it out at such a low level. Of course, you got to try something out somewhere, right? And, of course, the Florida State League has been kind of the baby for this. Um, they did the ABS system, and now they're doing ABS with some challenges, as we're seeing. So I think there's there's a, a modicum of, of self-respect for umpires from these younger players who are just first entering the league. Um, you don't want to show the umpire up, and maybe they think that they're doing that by, by requesting a challenge. So I, I think it's few and far between that you see it for a reason. Um, but yeah, I don't think I would be able to point to one specific player and say that he's doing it and this guy's not. If you guys like the way this is done, like the challenges and stuff, what, what's keeping them from going one step forward and just simply having, you know, the way to just call every single one from the from the electronic strike zone? Why do we have to have challenges still? Why not just skip that step and have every single call correct? Hey, man, great question. I think that's where everything is being led to. I think, yeah. I think that... I mean, I think if, 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 if they can prove that it's consistent and that it's accurate, like, like you have to knock down the umpires, and, and that's, where, that's where the fans want it to go. And I think that's where the players want, where it's just, just give me a strike zone that will be the exact same for every player through the whole game. Um, like, I don't care if it's wide, I don't care if it's, it's, it's you know, big, but just give it a consistent zone, and, and the players will adapt. They, they did say. that, too, Isaac. They, like, they did that last year in the Florida State League for half of the games at each stadium. They did that at each home stadium for half the games, except for Daytona, because they don't have uh, StatCast, so they couldn't do it in Daytona. So that was, like, the only part where, like, they just didn't have it. So they split it up for, like, okay, half of your home games will have it, and then the other half of your home games won't have it. Okay. And, the, like, the quality of like the quality of the bats, you could see it go up. And that's really important, of course, as you know, at the minor league level is great. Um, and just like you said, you know for sure that that's a fucking strike. You know what I mean? Or that's a ball, right? So, yeah, I agree with you. Like, why do we have to have this whole middleman challenge this, challenge that? You put it on the player to challenge it. No, get the call right the first time, man. I agree with and that. And if I remember correctly, like, I think it was a 2021 spring or maybe 2020 spring where, yeah, they already – Michael Hill was the argument, and it was 2021 at least when he was already with the league, that he's sitting by and will play the strike. The balls and strikes are being called by the PA the minute the ball is thrown. And like strike ball right away. I don't know why they don't just you know fucking do that. Be dope. Sean's here, so I'm sure Sean has a good question. Probably our final question. We think unless someone else has something. Hey, I'll feel this is a much simpler question. I feel bad. I'm kind of departing from AP Marlins to ask more just a general <laughs> general opinion, but. Uh, do you have a oh, sense for one. when you've been just you know, talking to the players or any, any chance you've had to have a read of you know, the people running the team, I guess, where their heads are at on their you know, struggles right now offensively? Is it, like, is it more that, oh, gosh, if only Cooper didn't get that stomach bug, if only um, Gene wasn't having to slow start, but we're sure I'm sure he'll turn it around, today. or do you think they know that they need to make changes? Because I guess like my concern today, with the, uh, during Sandy's press conference, that he thanked the bullpen, he thanked the defense, but he didn't thank Malaya <laughs> at all. I did notice that. Okay. The, I, mean, I, I guess it's just that my concern is that they're not going to. in a couple weeks, so I guess that'd be a better Isaac or, que- or Kevin question. I feel like I think they need to do something, but I'm concerned to say, whoa, because they'll talk themselves out of it because of 
stomach bugs and Abby having three good games before I hit the IL. You're, you're basically asking, like, where their mindset is at? Yeah. But they've acknowledged it. They feel pretty good. I, I will say these, I mean, besides the clubhouse being a good vibe, and I know, I think everyone could attest to that, at least the ones that have been there. They know where they're at. They know Night they and day from last year, I would say. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, they want to win. That's, that's the bottom line. And um, and I think there's no excuses as to, you know, an injury, this, an injury, that. And obviously an injury is going to hurt your lineup and your team, but they know that they have to win with the players on that team. And, I mean, yeah, they, they, they're pretty high on where they're at in terms of where they want to be and, and, you know, in the coming months. And probably, I mean, the next, the next probably set day would be where they're at, a, you know, a couple weeks before the trade deadline. But we're still ways away from that. And I don't think Skip's a guy that's just going to lay down and fall flat either. I mean, Donnie kind of did that last year after the meeting. Like, he, he lost that, and he just kind of gave up at one point. Oh, I love the Donnie, but that's just kind of like the way he managed. I, I think Skip's got a lot more fight. He's got a lot more pride. We've seen it early on this year. Even late in games, he's still making logical decisions. Things of that nature. Are and you sure? Because there's times where they've been down by a lot, and then he just puts the Devin Smeltzer to finish the game off. So well, that kind of stuff that that's that's a whole different entity that adds when you're like really out of it. But if they're down three, four runs, I don't see them entirely folding. No, if it's, you know, that, if it's that, that Atlanta game yeah. last week, that, that was a little different. Yeah, but point, a, yeah, point is, yeah. I, I think Skip has some pride. I think he wants to win games. This is his first year as a manager. He's pumped for the beat there. And I don't. I think the honeymoon phase is over, and I think he's going to help lead his team. Skip strikes me as a lot better leader than anything Donnie could have ever been. And I will say, the guys I've spoken to, you know, they they really like Skip. They they do. They're very high on him. I've only heard good things about Skip thus far, and obviously, it's only a couple, you know, like a month or two into his uh, regular season tenure. But you know, even before he he's been great. So. I mean, he's been around they're... winning teams. He was at the he was with the Padres at the start of their run. They've been on. He's been with the Cardinals. Cardinals have been won the NL Central a couple of times with him. One, did he win one World Series or two World Series? I think he only won one. Two, two. He just wasn't on the roster. For oh, 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 six Cardinals, twenty eleven Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, two, two World Series. He's been around winners. That's a winning culture in St. Louis. Not so much this year. We have a good friend from there, but uh, yeah. Um, oh Lord! No, the one, the one thing I'll say, the one thing I'll say, Grant, on this is that the guy doesn't bullshit. I mean, um, you, I think yeah. we said this the other day too. Like this guy doesn't bullshit. Like he's gonna call it for what he, how he sees it. Like you screw up. Like the Jazz play in center field in the spring training. Like he was like, yeah, he should have caught the freaking ball. Like he's like, he's like, yeah, he should have caught it. Like he's gonna call it for what it is. And there's no, there's no excuses, which is a great way to run a team. Uh, transparent communication is definitely really important, and this guy definitely does that. So, um, and when he doesn't know, he's gonna tell you he doesn't know. Like I asked him a question in spring training, he's like, I don't know, I'm not gonna give you an answer right now, but I'll let you know. So, <laughs> the Victor Mesa question. Yeah, I asked him about, <laughs> asked him about the Mesas. They were on the spring roster. Or, I'm sorry, they were on the. Um, the roster for the day for the game. I was like, have you seen anything from these players? I know you're on the backfield. He's like, no, nah, I can't give you anything right now, but I'll let you know. And then, of course, lo and behold, Junior hits a walk-off. So I'm sure he had something after that, but that's all right. But anyways, like I said, he's going to be honest, which is really important. And I, that's, I think, I like Donnie. I love Donnie. He's a great, great human being. And those of us who have talked to him can tell you, um, everybody in here that, that knew Donnie or, or, or ever communicated with him, he's fantastic. He's a great but dude. He didn't have that modicum of, you know, just being open, trans- he would give you a great answer and an honest answer, 
but it was dressed up. You know what I mean? At times, it was dressed up to be like, yeah, these guys are developing. No, this guy wants to win, and it's, it's, it's clear. So you had to pose it. your question in a correct way for him to not dodge it. Right. I feel like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, no, it was at the Bean. That's where he did his calling from. Nice. Uh, so he played that all day. And then if the game okay. went long, he's like, all right, I got to run there. No, I didn't know. I was... All right, did you guys talk about Yuri's start today? He looked really good. Yes. We spent yeah, okay. extensive amounts of time. Like, no, I did. Okay, okay, okay. We, we, we may have talked about it more than what actually happened on the field this week. Shout out, Yuri. We talked a lot about Yuri. I, I don't know if we talked about Gene Segura enough, though. I don't know. We may have skipped him. All right. No, I, think, I did think we missed a little bit of Gene Segura. No. Okay, please, no. We find a way to add in the question. Hey. I, think, I think we we know. Hey, Car- Carver and Eli, who would you rather have, Xavier Edwards or Nassim Nunez? Xavier, bro, it's Xavier. But you had to keep one of them. Right now or long term? What, what do, I don't know. I guess when they're not exactly on the same level. Um, I don't know. Now for the next six years. That's a clear answer. Not really. Uh, not really, next dude. Six no, years? They're both. Wait, Segura or Edwards, right? No, Xavier Edwards or Nassim Nunez. Oh, I thought you said Segura or Edwards. I was like, what? Obviously, no, that, that's, that's a little better question. Uh, I like Edwards, but I think I'll... Nassim, probably. Next, Kevin, we, we, I said, who's going to have a better major league career earlier, Amaya or Nunez? Oh, that, one, that one had some thought to it. That one does have thought, yeah. What does Xavier do that's actually better than Nassim? I mean, he's not like, even like, yeah, like he's maybe, yes, maybe a backup center fielder, but he's not a shortstop anymore. I mean, they moved him off of the shortstop. He's kinda, I mean, he, he has now, I think it's it's hard to say that. Are they even equal in terms of power? Or I think Nassim has hit more homers recently. Um, like the bit, the, the large, there's just no power with Xavier either. And as a base runner, I don't think anybody is as good as Nassim is. You like go through everything on, you go through everything, and it's like, is both. I mean, Xavier was even a slightly higher regarded prospect originally. That's great, but there's a reason why they were able to get him for a couple of lottery ticket pitchers. And, that, and the fact that he wasn't, was he even the main part of that trade, or was Shagwa the main part of that trade? It's, I, yeah. I, I think that kind of answers where I'm at. Or I, I, would, I like that scene. I well, that scene. Yeah, for me, it's just because Edwards, I feel, has the higher floor as a hitter. I yeah, think, it's, yeah, yeah. And the seems floor is very low because of the, the big question about whether he can hit at all at the highest level. Right. And with, with Xavier, like, even a small sample, um, I kind of liked what I saw with, with Edwards. Um, so, yeah. But overall, overall, I, I think that the ceiling is significantly higher with Nassim. What's that significant of a difference? And he's a little bit younger and the, Better yeah. Gloves, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's just a, a, more things pointing in Edwards direction right now. The thing you got to say is that both of these guys, both Edwards and Nunez know what they want to do at the play. The approach is so good for both these guys. They have a great approach. They're going up there for base hits. Like that's, and they know it. They know they don't have power. They know themselves very well. They, are trying to come into more power, which apparently Nassim has tried to do to and done to his opposite field on three occasions this year, at least. Um, and I think Nassim is, is showing more consistent hard contact, even more so than Xavier Edwards. So, like I said, I mean, they're both similar players, but like Eli said, Nassim has a true home at shortstop. He's way better on the bases than Edwards, whereas Edwards, I think, is just a some, some kind of a utility player, maybe a third baseman, maybe, 
Um, but yeah, no, th- this guy is this guy Nunez is impressive to me, and I, I would say Nunez. Uh, if I had to pick between the two, I would say Nasi. Unlimited potential. <laughs> Sky's the fucking limit, bro. You know it. Come on. Alright, alright, we got we got two. We'll take two more questions. Solis has been going for an hour and a half. Romeo has his hand up. Nobby wanted to speak, so we'll go Romeo, then Nobby, then we'll end. I think Claudia had a question too. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> okay, okay, Romeo, I asked about Mr. Solar Soreness. Can you hear me? Who? <laughs> Solar Soreness himself. Uh, mm, Solar Soreness. Oh my god, it's I'll find a way to bring him up here. I won't ask it about took me him. a while to realize who it was. <laughs> Go ahead. What I am going to ask about is, am I the only one that doesn't think that Joey Reed can play is a good third-base coach? Like, I don't think he's good at third. I, he just doesn't make the right decision that there that is a third-base coach. Dude has, in his entire eight-year career, has 20 outfield assists at home, and you don't send John Birdie home, you put her, you stop him at third base, you could have tied the game. I'm sorry. It, it, it's like, that's just a very bad call, and I've seen him do it multiple times. And that... Anything's better than Alpha Jarike, dude. I don't know what that dude was doing last year. <laughs> oh my god. I was gonna say, he's like the, that, that Alpha is the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, dude. I don't know what he was doing. He was a stop sign. Yeah, just it's just a little run on, on Judy Reed. I feel like he has a mistake. And before you go, Navi, real quick, is why isn't John Birdie stealing? Like John Birdie. I, oh, like I asked that to I asked that to what's it to Skip the other day, word for word. It's funny. Like yeah, what do you say? It's like when a certain someone asks them, "How do you score runs?" <laughs> oh, yeah. Who was that? I'm not gonna say it on. Who was it? Who was it? It was Barry Jackson, I think. Oh, it was exactly. it was Andy Slater. It was Andy Slater or Barry Jackson. Well, neither of them would surprise me. Yeah. No. How do you score runs? Well, I don't know. All right, Navi, what do you got? Last one, we'll get out of here. I'm only bringing it up because you guys are starting comparing Amaya and Terrors and all this stuff. Uh, I brought this up on Discord some weeks ago. I don't not not to be taken seriously, but would you guys rather have? Gene Segura right now, or Eduardo Escobar. Whoever, whoever the opposite is, is who we want. That's okay. Yeah. Eduardo Escobar is equally as ass <laughs> and would have been a trade within the division. Um, but they have similar profiles. But like, depends, on, you, depends on what you give for Eduardo Escobar. Oh right, but like, there was that. that Thing from 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 the Miami Herald that said like oh the Mets the Marlins and Mets were discussing Roberto Escobar because they were going to talk about bringing back Batty up. That's like the Ozuna swap. So let me ask you this: Would you rather have a Taco Bell shit or would you rather have a Chipotle shit? (laughs) Navi, can I ask you a question? Have you ever played third base in in Little League or high school or anything like that? Did you ever play third? Um, no, no, I was uh, only. I was going to say I would take you over Segura, but. I think they're, I just I just I just as a fun comparison. I think they're similar age, similar context, similar production, similar build. So you know. yeah, they they wanted they were they were interested in Escobar originally too when he was a free agent the previous off season. And like I remember, Miggy Rowe was pushing for him when they had a lot of Venezuelans on the team. Just bring his buddy in here, 
and it was i was surprised in the same situation i was kind of surprised how little money segura got i was surprised that escobar at the time was able to be had for only 10 million a year when he was kind of productive but these teams can kind of see the cliff coming sometimes so with escobar last year he had a power surge at one point that it covered up that bumped up the overall line to respectability but overall last year he was very ordinary and then this year as as you mentioned he is he's kind of benched at this point he got they brought up brett Beatty, and it doesn't seem like escobar is getting his job back anytime soon so they were that and I think the Marlins are maybe there was something that they were interested in Beatty as well, but that would have been a, obviously a much more expensive trade to try to get there. We'll we'll see. Man, would have been better than what they have right now when you look at the numbers. I know it's like what are you crazy? Though you probably have to give a pitcher. That's probably like a Dax Fulton. No, no, what? No, no, what? No, Fulton for. A 